Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured Premier League match number 29 against Leeds. And how are you doing, Keith? I'm I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I, I skipped my gym time last week, and so I went back today, and, and I feel it now, so... Oh yeah, that's not Arsenal related, but I'm just, I just, I just if you hear grimacing throughout, that's me. <laughs> yeah, that's no, uh, good to bear in mind. I, I will do my best to edit it out. Hopefully, no, no one catches you. So, <laughs> um, by way of follow up, uh, after we briefly conjectured about how the Big City Greens classic was brought to the screen, I decided to actually do a little bit of research. And uh, I found an article that ESPN posted that is a behind-the-scenes look at what they did and how. I will bring it back to soccer in a more concrete manner by the time I'm done, I promise. But basically, I had thought that they were wearing some kind of motion capture gear, which doesn't typically look like ping pong balls anymore it's kind of like two-dimensional ellipsoid shapes that kind of look like eyeballs all over the place uh, is what they use which they could if they wanted to put it on all the players but it's probably too many players all at once for that to work that is not what they did on the ice however the announcers that were commentating uh, the, the announcers that were commentating the match they did have motion capture suits because they were characters that looked more realistic during the broadcast. So they used motion capture. What the players on the ice had is kind of like we talked about with the World Cup, the way that they had um, sensors inside the ball for purposes of offsides detection uh, so they could tell exactly when the ball was struck. They have a similar sensor set up in the puck so they can tell when the puck is hit i'm sure it tells them directionality things like that this is this the same type of technology has been used in the past to annoy certain nhl fans with glowing and comet like pucks i know that is a pet peeve of people who, who watched hockey when they were doing that um so they did have a little bit of a trail behind it in big city greens um but it was also just used for detecting which players it was moving between and stuff and then the extent of motion detection on the players was chips embedded in their jerseys. So I imagine something similar to the bras we've talked about uh, Arsenal players wearing underneath their jerseys, some kind of setup where under their jersey, they have something that is saying, hey, I'm here and maybe I'm facing this direction, but not much more information than that. So that's why it looked very much like a video game to me. All the animation was canned. It was, aside from where they were, it wasn't directly based on how they were moving. So what, how I will also, even more concretely than the World Cup reference, what's also interesting is the company that did this is from the Netherlands, and they actually introduced this technology um, in, in a different way for use during soccer matches. Um, I found a tweet that has a link to a graphic they put on screen during a match between Manchester City, and I can't remember who they were playing against, but they'd used it for an illustration of something that happened during the match. So I don't remember if it was an offsides call, which is probably likely, um, but it was something where they used it to show these big blocky Minecraft or Roblox looking versions of the players on the pitch to show where they were and where the ball was and what happened. So the, this company beyond sports 
they're the ones who did the big city greens uh, classic. So uh, this technology started off in soccer and uh, they refined it and made a whole bunch of improvements to, uh, to suit it well for big city greens. And, you know, here's hoping that they bring that over to, to the sport that we love so much and talk about on this show. So. Uh, I'll just chip in on that. I do remember the glowing puck. Uh, it was the mid nineties. <laughs> it was the mid nineties. Like, you know, do you think about how long ago that was, which is terrifying to say out loud, but I mean, it, you know, in some ways it was a little bit ahead of its time in terms of technologically kind of interesting how that, how that worked out. It was a little goofy, but I do recall that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was interesting. A little bit of a deeper dive on that. Um, the other thing that was interesting, uh, that, that happened for me last week. So, uh, let me ask you, Keith, have you been a fan of the category of sports video games? I don't know how much you play video games these days at all. Not a lot. I really rarely at all. I did for a little while. My brother is much more into it. Still plays. Okay. I think, have you ever played any of the FIFA games? Yes. Um, Okay. Not not what is your often. Experience it, with those? Yeah. I mean, they're they're a lot of fun. You know, there's the fun of the sports video game is to take the excitement of the game and sort of you know play it out, do it yourself. Um, especially as the graphics have gotten better and better, and the atmospheres are more realistic, and the players can do different mm-hmm. things. The problem, part of the problem for me at this point is the gameplay has gotten so complex that because I don't <laughs> play. Like pick you can't. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to just pick up a controller and be like, "Oh, let's play a game." I don't even mm-hmm. know what half the buttons do, and there's all sorts of interesting right. intricacies you can drag into it. But I, I mean, there FIFA in particular is a is a very popular game, and it's it's actually how a lot of people, even in the U.S., get into the game. At first, you start playing, you get hmm. pick up favorite players, favorite teams, and then someone says, "Oh, by the way, you know this is real, right? You can watch them actually do this." <laughs> and uh, so that's a way to get pe- it is, but it is a way to get people in, and also a way for people around the world to. To sort of follow it's a that fifa in particular is one of their their big money makers for for uh for ea sports yeah so that's that's good to know i see yeah so for me i i played sports games in the past but it kind of ended for me with like the gamecube generation so that's like 20 years ago now i hadn't really been into sports games since then aside from sometimes firing up the old games that i'd already played um mm-hmm. But never played FIFA cause just because I wasn't into soccer. I wouldn't have done that one. I'd done a little bit of hockey, a little bit of football, and more baseball than anything else as far as sports games go. But I'd gotten an email last week. Um, I'm a Nintendo Switch Online subscriber. And they emailed me to let me know that there was a free trial of FIFA 23 for the Nintendo Switch. So I downloaded the free trial, and I... I was trying to find a time to play it and it turned out that the only time I had was <laughs> the night before I had an early morning train ride to wake up for for my commute and so I was staying up like later than I should have but it was the last night before the trial ended so I played and 30 to 60 minutes or so of FIFA 23 managing and playing as Arsenal uh, and that was that was interesting so, you know, I played around a little bit. It was it was interesting. I think there's a couple things uh, relative to what you were talking about. So, yeah, as the graphics have gotten more and more realistic, that has been a draw. Um, and, and the graphics and the ambiance just having it feel more real. Um, as far as the sonic ambiance, yes, uh, it, it sounded like I was at 
the Emirates or whatever European, I was playing a Europa competition. <laughs> I got to play, I, I think I actually played against Sporting, uh, was who I played against um, since I was playing Europa and that was fresh in my head. Um, and um, the thing is, because it was the Nintendo Switch, not like on my PS4 and I don't even have a PS5 yet, um, it was not super realistic graphics. It kind of looked not too dissimilar to like Wii games. It's, you know, it's, it's last generation graphics technology, like a PlayStation 3 or something kind of is about what the Switch has. Uh, the, the other thing is, I am not a serious Switch gamer. Um, it is my console, but only kind of in name only um it's really my son that plays it <laughs> the most and really all we've mostly played aside from some old video games we've really just played the mario games and the controls are fairly limited with those so i was experiencing what you were talking about where the controls if this were on the playstation i would have been picking up the controls a lot quicker but as far as the position when they're telling you press a press b press x press y that was all very foreign to me because it isn't my primary console so that was that was a little tricky but yeah, it was it was it was fun i could see where if i had as much time as a kid or a teenager that I could see myself getting really into it. I mean, the management aspect of it. I mean, you pick who you transfer, you pick which players you develop, they give you a budget, you can sell off players to increase your budget for acquiring new ones. I mean, they give you all the controls that like a, an armchair, what what would they call? I was going to say armchair quarterback. Uh, yeah, <laughs> armchair, armchair, armchair football? GM. In, in the sports term would be okay. <laughs> armchair GM for general manager. I well, I'll tell you what. Right. I'm I'm going to offer this. This isn't a suggestion, but just if you're the kind of person who is interested in that, there's a ga- a series of games out uh, called Football Manager that essentially is okay. that, so- that side of the game, and um, it, it so that you can play out the games, but you don't play the players. Uh, you you set the tac you set the tactics, the roster, all of that. And then they start to play it out right. and make substitutions and do those kinds of things. Um, it is extremely addictive. It was uh, it was a good <laughs> way to get through get through COVID lockdowns. Let's just say that I have not played since COVID <laughs> for lockdowns. Uh, but any I it and yeah, it it definitely is. Um, yeah, they're definitely they're really easy to get lost into because that's things that you know, like the season. We talked about how long it is, but you can condense that all down mm-hmm. into multiple seasons and win multiple trophies, or maybe not win a trophy, but mm-hmm. come back next year. So yeah, it's 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 easy to get sucked into. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way: I aspire to wanting to play that. I think I don't feel <laughs> like it would be that fun for me to simulate a whole season because I'd be completely lost. I'd be like, well, how everyone thinks Ted Lasso is going to do <laughs> as, as a new manager in the sport, only not actually having all the American football experience that he has to back it up. So Yeah, it would take a little <laughs> while. And even I was a fairly bit novice to all the levels of things. It's one of those games where you can there's a lot you can pass off to the computer in a lot of ways, which is good because there's a lot of stuff. I'm like, I don't care about that. Um, you handle mm-hmm. that piece. Uh, and so you're making more upper level final decisions. So, I mean, in a sense, you can build it the way your management style would be. You can, you've got scouts and whatnot who can scout players and make suggestions about signings and okay, so you do this, you can pass, you know, right. give broad tactical overviews and let the details go somewhere else. So there's a lot of, it's like anything else. You can sort of choose how you, approach the game but uh it, yeah. you know in the in the middle of the game when they're trying to you're you're down a goal and you can't do anything about it it's a very familiar feeling <laughs> oh yeah yeah so yeah my skills were not 
to the level where I actually scored any points. Um, but I kept it at nil-nil uh, during the one match that I played. So that, that was something. That was about how we actually did against Sporting. But they came a lot closer to scoring a lot more times than they did during the real-life matches. Um, but yeah, so... So uh, next item of follow-up for our listeners is you may recall from the outros to prior episodes that we have offered a membership for listeners for, for a few months now. And this is a way to help support the show, help us keep it going. And then also you do get something um, in the past that has been early access to our episodes. So we are recording this on Monday, April 3rd, usually by around 11 p.m. or so Eastern time. I will have a raw version of that where it's not trimmed down as much. It's a little bit messier, but it is timely, right? Um, right now, as we sit here, we just played leads two days ago. By the time I get it edited and cleaned up due to my work schedule stuff it's it's going to be a few days and so you can listen to it even earlier if you subscribe um we also last week recorded a bonus episode talking about the four episodes that had been aired at that time about uh those four episodes of the mandalorian uh keith and i have a long history uh with star wars in particular and pop culture in general and uh so we we discussed that a little bit and uh, we would like to bring more stuff like that out in the future. That's something that, that's fun to talk about, but that will never really be the, the primary concern for Gooner U. So we leave those as bonus episodes for interested listeners. Um, so we'll see what else might make it into that feed in the future. But excitingly, uh, we are now changing from that being offered in Apple Podcasts exclusively to now being through our host. Uh, we use Acast uh, as a website that hosts our podcast. And they offer uh, subscriptions through their site. So you can find a link in our show notes. You can click on that and create a login and uh, give us just a dollar a month. Uh, we even lowered the price. Um, instead of being $2 a month like it used to be, it's now $1 a month. You can support us and get some cool stuff. Listen to us talk about Star Wars sometimes and who knows what else. You'll have to subscribe to find out. Although, you know, we'll, we'll probably tease you a little bit and let you know what we have talked about um, in the future. But um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you are interested, you can click that link and uh, more to come in the future as uh, as we develop that membership. So in news this week, Keith, uh, you're telling me there's uh, more leaks about uh, New Jersey's for the next season. Yes, the kit, the kit leaks are picking up. We're getting to it's April now, so we, mm -hmm. we can start seeing those. Uh, these are leaked promotional images from Adidas. As I understand, you have not looked at them yet like last time. Correct. Okay, so we're making this a thing now that when we have kit leaks, Dove, uh, Dove, <laughs> Dove we get the, his live reaction on air. So the, the link is from a website, Footy Headlines, who's who's sort of the go-to place for this kind of thing. So this is about as good as you can trust for this sorts of thing. So Dove, if you would like, uh, go ahead and click and uh, let's and scroll down and see right. what you think. Let me just ask you first before I click on this footy is is that a widely used abbreviation for football or is it something else entirely? <laughs> oh yes, it's yes, it's very it's a very English. It's it's this is I believe this okay. is an English based site. So they they have kits and then they also look at boots, so cleats as we would call ah, them. Ah, gotcha. Okay. All right, I'm opening up the link. And all right. So, ooh. All right. So the main jersey I like, I have no problem with it. I don't know until I see it for real and for a longer period whether I would like it more than our current season jersey. What is going on with that away jersey? <laughs> that looks like camouflage or a fingerprint or something that uh, 
it, to create an image in the listener's mind, if you do not have us pulled open right now, it's like a highlighter yellow, like a fluorescent neon yellow, almost green. And it has patterns on it that look like a topographical map, like to show elevation. It looks like you're looking at like a valley or a couple conjoining valleys. Um, very, very strange. Um, that would take some getting used to. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. The, you're sort of seeing in there. We've touched on this a bit. The the home kit is meant to be a um, a celebration of 20 years since the Invincibles uh, team of 2003 04. Uh, so the mm-hmm. white extends up the shoulders, which I don't quite love. But um, I mean, overall, it's red with white sleeves, which is all I really want out of a, out of the home kit. Um, it's not the worst that Adidas has given us over the last few years, but I don't think it's certainly not their, the best one they've had either. The away kit is going to take a little getting used to, I think. Um, <laughs> I, I think it is definitely I, – I, it's hard to tell. So the picture we're looking at is a picture of a picture. So, yeah. you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the resolution and the color, the color is all a little off, obviously. Right. It's like a spy I, photo, like someone took a picture of a screen someplace. Yeah. I suspect it is I suspect it's going to be closer to yellow as the base color than than more it's gonna look a little more yellow based on the other things we have sort of heard and seen and talked about. Um it will take some getting used to. I'll be curious what the third kit looks like. Arsenal's a team that most teams these days have three. Um I'll be very curious to see what mm. they end up doing for a third. But uh Again, I think they've had better. If it's yellow, that makes me happier. Um, again, we sort of talked about this. I'm I'm old school. I want Arsenal second kit to be yellow. Uh, the black looks fine. The pink looks very nice, but they don't feel Arsenal to me. But that's you know that's mm-hmm. that's a personal preference. I'll fully admit. Yeah, as I look at this a little bit more, I have a couple more thoughts. I like the socks. Um, these are all white socks with a thick, burly red lightning bolt line going up the outside edge. Um, I like that. Um, also, they have side-by-side photos showing the 2003 to 2004 season jersey on an actual player. You could probably tell me who that number 32 is that they have it on. Um, he doesn't look familiar to me, but... Um, Seeing it side by side, I do like this one more than that one. And I see what you're talking about with the white going up the shoulder. I think it looks okay on this one because what I don't like about the old jerseys is it kind of looks like Lego arms. Like if you can picture what I'm talking about, where you've got like a solid color body and the arm is just attached to it and the entire arm is a separate color. Like it doesn't extend all the way to the neck. And I like on the newer ones, the white extends almost all the way to the neck. It's got like a little red ring around the white ring of the collar. But because it extends further and the shape looks more like shoulders, it doesn't look like a Buccaneer shirt or a Lego, like a Lego pirate or something, you know? Yeah. Um. So the the current version, the the, the modern one for right that that style, the sleeves is apparently called raglan, uh, which has been a common thing in, ah. in kits for for a few years now. Um, I don't love it, at least for Arsenal, because I prefer the the shoulder to be the red and have the arm cut off. Um, you know, more like a t shirt look. Uh, the the other one is obviously an older Nike design, and this was the early two thousands when Nike was. Uh, was getting kind of experimental with some of their stuff. Um, again, it, they've made this comment in other circumstances. What we really love about the kit is um, we really love the kit is how the team plays in it. Even if it's a terrible one, we'll still love it if they win mm-hmm. something. So 
By the way, the picture there they put there, this is a rather random one, the 304 picture, I'm pretty sure is is number 32. So looking up a roster is a Czech player named Michael Papadopoulos who played one game for that team that season coming off the <laughs> coming off the bench in the League Cup game. So Oh boy. So yeah, that is a, well, that is a full choice. Full frontal but, pictures of that jersey must have been in short supply. I guess. Yes, which is very <laughs> odd, given there are a tremendous number of pictures of that jersey that get uh, yeah. from given <laughs> given the way that season progressed. Uh, but anyway, um, well, Zadi's got the Premier League huh. patch on, so maybe it's a preseason <laughs> one. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So there's a, ten, a potential mystery there, but yeah. All right, well, thanks for the heads up, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, not not bad, not bad. I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll wait till we see better pictures to to issue final judgment, and I guess final judgment won't really happen till the end of a season. And I will say, I love our jerseys this this season. I think I really yeah, nice. I've, I think they look yeah. Cool. The the home kit I liked when it came out, and I well, I was iffy when it came out, and then when I saw them wearing it in that last game, I was like, all right, I can, I'm good with this. Um, so it definitely <laughs> looked better. It, you know, we'll see about this one. I'm sure it looked it, again. I don't. It's not my favorite one that I've had. Or I've seen or certainly seen from Adidas, but but I like it well enough. And it's definitely it, the 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 um the crest on the jersey isn't going to be in the re- its full colors. It's going to be red and gold. It's red with gold. Yeah, uh, I just noticed that. Yeah, but we talked about that a little bit last time. The sense was there's going to be a lot of gold in this new one, which. Could end up being, right. we don't have to say why, but it could end up being a little more appropriate. So <laughs> let's hope. We have, right. a long way, we have a long way to go. So, <laughs> so let's talk about this Leeds match. So this was our 29th Premier League match of the season. We whomped them four to one. It was a, a fun match to watch. A little nail biting in the first, I don't know, 30 minutes to maybe even the whole first half. It felt like they were kind of knocking on the door a lot more than I would have liked. But we uh, we got a penalty called uh, in our favor, and that really changed the game altogether at that point. And we wanted more after that first one, I felt. <laughs> yeah, I, I think and, – and you and I were joking about the international break and how it sort of threw us off over the last couple of weeks. I, you could tell they were a little – they were a little sloppy coming out of the break. Um, and, and Leeds came after them. Leeds was – Leeds came – you know, was, was not afraid. I mean this is – in a sense, this is what we want because teams that are willing to be more open against us are the kind where we can pass and move. You've seen where we struggled are the teams who – want to sit deep and make us come at them. And, and Leeds was willing to be more right. aggressive, but you know, we, we fell asleep on a couple instances and it, 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 it did cost us a goal. Although I have to say, um, yeah, certainly in the first half. And I think he, he's going to get overshadowed by other players, but I think Aaron Ramsdale deserves a real shout for, for a man of the match. He made some, with some pretty good yeah. and pretty important saves when the game was still nil, nil before, before the penalty and before the game uh, took a turn, a decided turn. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Some very key saves. Absolutely. I mean, not least of which they had another attempt like right off the kickoff, like what happened in Bournemouth. It just, I I believe Ramsdale saved that one. It actually was a shot on goal, right? It was from a, a, a skinny angle an acute angle on the goal and he managed to get in there and block it. But yeah, yeah, there was definitely some, there was definitely some design to that play. It looked a little more, I don't want to say lucky, looked a little more like they benefited from a few bounces to get the ball into position for the shot, but there was definitely a, 
Mm-hmm. There's clearly a plan involved in that. And, and you know, the defending was a little sleepy there. And uh, that's, you know, we can argue that's happened twice now in the last uh, mo- two months. And so it's just, just something to keep, you know, maybe keep <laughs> your heads, keep your heads on about you a little bit better right at the, right at the start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah. And I think overall the, the, my biggest complaint about our performance was, yeah, that that when we conceded that goal, I don't know what they were doing. It was just, someone wasn't somewhere more than one. Someone was not paying attention. It was just I was like my, I had my hands on my head because I could see it like in slow motion about to happen. It was, it was awful. Yeah. They were they were a little sloppy. They were getting pulled out of position. And, and then even then, I, honestly, that goal really comes from the deflection off Zinchenko. I mean, I think. I think Ramsdale probably right. get, probably gets to the ball without the deflection, but um, you know it's it's a bit yeah. of an unfortunate bounce. But at one, even I think after the third goal, and we'll talk about the goals. It, it we'll go back and talk about the goals. But I think that first goal when we saw it, uh, or you know after the third goal, I, I think I turned to some of the people around me and said, "This one's over. We're not. They're not scoring three goals." And they never really threatened even after that. So I didn't feel too too nervous. Uh, at that mm-hmm. point, which again, it's easy to say now, two days later, but I didn't really. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think, um, you know, they, yeah, they, they scored and that was, that f- and then of course we did the thing we've done a lot this season, which is we bounced back immediately and got a goal back in response. So, you know, and that yep. I feel really, I, I, I saw, I saw the arsenal, the, this season's arsenal, like that was not out of the, out of the ordinary. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess a couple things that I wanted to call out is, yeah, uh, so this is our first time this season seeing uh, Jesus take a penalty shot, and that was because Saka was not started in this match. He came in later as a substitution uh, late into the second half. Um, so, yeah, it was it was interesting, his approach. Like, first of all, you could tell he, he looked nervous going into it, like, visibly, like he was really thinking it through. And then he did this kind of like fake out. He he slowed his approach as he was about to kick it and kind of waited for, I forget the, the keeper's name from Leeds, but kind of waited for him to commit to a direction and then kicked it once he saw that he'd committed. And I was nervous. The, the angle that they showed when it happened the first time before they were showing replays of it it looked like it was going to deflect off the keeper's legs. It was like right near where his feet were, where he had kicked it actually. And even in replays, it was actually close, but it looked like he was going to actually block it the first time through. Uh, I, I mean, I, we, well, you mentioned Saka. So Saka was, Saka was sitting, apparently he was sick on Friday. So that's all that was. Mm. Um, but then the right came in in the second half and did Bukayo Saka things. Um, yeah, Jesus typically doesn't <laughs> take penalties apart because apparently he doesn't have a very good record taking them. Um, it is interesting hmm. thing about his, interesting thing about his face. I've always thought he has. I I don't know that he was really nervous. I just think that's what he looks like. He just has one of those faces to <laughs> Maybe, me. Yeah. I mean, when he played for Manchester City, I found it very annoying. But now that he plays for us, like no, it's it's just it's it's fine. It's going to be fine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was an interesting choice. It was a bit bold. It wasn't a Penenka, but it was. It was Panenka adjacent. <laughs> it was it was kind of that. Yeah, no, I that's that's true. Like he, the kick wasn't a chip, but his approach was Panenka esque. Yes, mm-hmm. and so you know it takes. I mean that <laughs> that right there bespeaks to a certain amount of confidence. That's not the thing you do if you're feeling uncertain. Uh, but he buried it, and that was exciting. And he scored. Um, 
though certainly from that point, I think the game changed. Although I'll, I'll ask you, what did you think of the penalty? Uh, the penalty call against uh, Luke Ailing. Yeah, it's. I have mixed feelings about it. I think part of it, it wasn't severe, and perhaps Jesus needed not go down the way he did under those circumstances. But at the same time, I don't know if that was his bad knee. Like it was studs into his knee. And I don't know if that was the one that he just had surgery on a couple months ago either, where maybe he was trying to get out of the way as like in a precautionary manner. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but it was contact after the defender was already on the ground and away from the ball, like up his leg. So it's kind of like, Overall, I feel like it was the right call, but I don't feel good about it. <laughs> it was kind of a bad situation, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it it's it at first glance it kind of feels a little ticky tack, but if you if especially when you see the replays, I mean, for starters, really ailing is just being the Leeds defender is just just being sloppy. That's a that's mm-hmm. not a great when he goes down. It's not a great challenge. And then if you look, he's sort of I, I'm not convinced that it's totally on purpose. I'm not convinced it's entirely an accident either. He kind of gives a little extra kick out with his leg, and that's where he clips Jesus. I mean, in terms of going down easy, it could be the way he moves and the, the position he's in. He could have just been off balance. And when you're off balance, a little a little deflection, right. or a little contact can really send you over. The other part of that yeah. is, and, and I've heard this from coaches at all levels of the sport, if, if you feel contact in the box, go down. Because the, the reward, right. potential reward, the penalty is so great. Uh, that it's really yep. like there's no reason not to, and it's not a call to dive. Well, you know, they don't. They, they, yeah. it, but I mean, if you feel contact, because that is, I mean, you're not. I mean, it's it's a contact sport. It's not a contact sport. But if you feel that contact, you might be able to get that <laughs> call. And there's a value to be, as we've talked about, a value to penalties. Yeah, I guess the dives are called rarely enough that it doesn't really factor into your decision making, probably, or your or your training, because your decision making is really at that point a split second decision informed by what you're coached and trained to do. Yeah, um, and you'll see, and you'll yeah. see dives, and I mean, you'll watch when, when people are penalized for dives. I mean, you'll see on the replay there's zero contact, and they they are like when penalties right. for dives are rare because they're hard to sort of pick up in real time. But, you know, when you especially when you watch them on replay, you'll see guys go down who weren't touched. And. OK, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're <laughs> right. There is a, there is a bit of a double standard there regarding. Players diving versus fouls being given or potentially being given by defenders. Yeah. Yeah, the the next thing that, that I think is worth calling out, even though it didn't result in a goal, but it nearly did. There There is this play where we pulled the leads keeper far enough out to make a save. He was beyond the penalty box. I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering this right. And after saving it, didn't, didn't clear it properly. And it landed back at our feet. And Martinelli had the chance to get a very credible near goal from not quite as close to the midfield line as what happened to us in, in the sporting match, but not too much closer to the goal than that. And it was just a defender was in the right spot and was able to, to address it. 
uh, even though the keeper wasn't. But uh, that that would have been amazing. That that almost went in. I was ready. Yeah, we did. A, <laughs> we we did a really good job. We were breaking on the on a counter there, and essentially we got behind the Leeds defenders. So the keeper had to come out and make the play. The ball was a little bit in front of. I think it was Jesus who was trying to run on it. But the ball's a little bit in front of him, so the keeper comes out and tries to clear it away. And he already mishits it, clearly. doesn't get a lot on it. It comes to Martinelli, and, you know, he tries for the, the dramatic play. You can tell he he's a little off balance and doesn't quite get it very cleanly. <laughs> so you saw the ball kind of bounce sort of slowly into the box, so allowed the defenders to get back and clear it. But, yes, that would have been if – if he had struck that right, it would have been pretty spectacular. But it does sort of remind you how hard those thing, you know, that kind of thing is. Um, the keeper oh, yeah. went the way there, I think, was making – he made the right play. The ball was deep. It was open. It was it was in deep in his own half. It was coming in. He makes the right play to, to clear it out. He just does a very poor job of clearing it. That's the problem. Right. Exactly. The clearing was the problem, not him being out off his line. Right. Um, so, so yeah, um, I, I was very happy in the second half to see Jesus score again. It's like getting the rush from scoring that penalty kick, like, cleared something and like broke the dam open <laughs> and he's scoring for us again well that's uh, so that was yeah good. that's the hope you could see he definitely i mean penalties are great and they count the same but you could tell scoring in the run of play really sort of like that meant a lot more to him and that we had talked about that a little bit sure. you know and all the things he does for arsenal offensively he's also supposed to score goals and he hadn't that was his first yeah the penalty was his right. first goal i think they said since october 1st um, it had been a while and, and, you know, of course the world cup was in the middle of that and he was out injured for a long time, but that's a long time to go for a guy who is your number nine, to, who's the guy who's supposed to oh, score yeah. goals. And so for him to, you could see what it meant to him to score that goal. And, you know, it's great that he's getting going. I guess the only disappointment is our, our next game is on Easter Sunday. And I guess I, I was a little too hopeful of the poetic nature of, the rise of Jesus. <laughs> it's just, it's just, you know what? There are too, there are too many poetic moments in the se- in a season of poetic moments. That might've been too much. <laughs> yeah. Even before yeah, Easter. Yeah. He's it was back. too late for it to be his like first game back or anything. Yeah. There's really nothing left to, to tie that to. So, I mean, yeah. you know, let's be honest. We were already, ma- we were already making those jokes when he came back and then looking ahead in the schedule and seeing the game is on Easter. I mean, <laughs> he's already back he's already back <laughs> yeah yeah so on that second jesus goal also i mean let's let's talk about trissard for a second because i'm really starting to get a sense of him now he's played enough matches i've seen him enough um i feel like he, the assists are where he's really contributing to this team yes um, he's really good at getting the ball into the right spot for someone else to score Yes, he's been he's been excellent. He had that one game with three assists. Uh, you know, really, he fits really well with what Arsenal does. In the first half, he, I, I thought he and he and Ben White had a little trouble uh, because Saka was out. Martinelli was still in on the left. Trossard switched over to the right. Theoretically, he can play anywhere along that front line. I mean, the part of the problem is we're so and this I think was part of our sluggishness in the first half was not having Bukayo Saka, who is so good at so many things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Tr- Trussard, the worst you can say about him is that he's not Sokka, which isn't really an insult. <laughs> but yeah, you can tell he and he and Ben White weren't quite working together as well. He doesn't quite do the same things. And so it, we were trying to force everything through Jesus and Martinelli on the left and not having that same outlet on the right, which is where we actually send a lot of our offense through. Um, 
but I, but I thought, yeah, I thought he, you know, he, he's done so well on the left. He's really acquitted himself as a passer. Really, you know, really, it's hard, especially as a midseason signing, to come in and, and like, how do you find your role, your place on a team that's already so good? But he really sort of has found mm-hmm. that niche, and you know, it's he's just he did an excellent job setting that play up, and get a gr- had a great ball there to, um, had a great ball there to, to Jesus to finish off. Not the best assist of the of the afternoon that came uh i guess the, it was afternoon for them morning for us that i think came a little bit <laughs> earlier um ben white scored uh off yeah. an assist from your guy martinelli yeah. <laughs> with a with just yep. a just a fantastic cross that was awesome yeah yeah no they're they're doing great it's a it's a pleasure to watch and then after so. all of that, we got a granite Jaka header goal, which apparently yeah. is his. It apparently is his first for Arsenal with his head, uh, including like corner kick assists. Well, his first goal for Arsenal. I don't believe he scored off of corner. Typically, when Jaka scored, at least in past seasons, it's it's been what we call the Jaka boom, which is him outside the box just lacing <laughs> one. Um, You'll also okay. see a lot of times. You'll also see a lot of times where he takes that shot and just blasts it into the stands. But you know, you take enough of those shots, some of them go on goal. Um, but he has scored. Okay. I think it's his fifth goal of the season. He's done, uh, which is the most he's scored in any season with Arsenal. Um, you know, again, sort of the again one of the many great subplots of the season is the way in which he has, uh, the way in which he's filled his particular role really nicely. Yeah. Yeah, all of our midfielders are really coordinating well, doing what they need to do to move the ball where it needs to be for the goals to be scored. Yeah, I mean that's and that's how we win so many games is is really we're dominating in the midfield. I mean, you know, look at games and we're controlling the pressure, we're controlling the flow. I mean, our midfield, especially with Thomas Party, um, but but Jaka's done well. Martin Odegaard has, of course, been spe- is is spectacular and, and oh, yeah. a clear uh, player of the uh, clear player of the year candidate. Um, you just, uh, yeah, the, just that ability to control the midfield is what allows us to do so many things. Yeah, Xhaka has five yeah. Premier League goals this season, um, which is pretty excellent. Yeah. Pretty excellent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so uh, just a, a couple small questions. I'm just kind of reconfirming some things that I was thinking during the match. Um, so there are a few players faces that I thought were familiar and I thought I remembered where I remembered them from and I just wanted to confirm. So Brendan Aronson played for Team USA in the World Cup, right? Yes, he did. Played very nice, played very well too. Okay. Yeah, and then they showed I guess Tyler Adams has an injury or something. He wasn't playing in this weekend's match, but he is another American playing for Leeds, right? Yes, he was he was the captain and he's he's Wappinger's own, Tyler Adams, Captain America. Right. Right. Uh but yes, he is on Leeds and, <laughs> and as is as is a player they brought in for Aronson off the bench, Weston McKinney, who also played for the US on the Oh, okay. So they yes, that and one for I a, remember. Okay. And for a while they they had uh they fired him a few weeks ago, uh Jesse Marsh, an American as their manager, so people have taken to calling them Leeds United States. <laughs> uh I, they, another one of their players one of their wingers uh jack harrison um he's born in england but played a bunch in the u.s he is i believe since he hasn't been called up internationally i believe is eligible for the u.s i don't think he's really likely to earn a call up uh for the for the u.s or for england but uh um but yeah. uh but a, a good an interesting name to watch for for both u.s and england camps 
uh, and also an Arsenal name is a guy, Flo Balligan or Fuller and Balligan, who is on loan in hmm. France, is racking up the goals in the French League. Uh, apparently spent the international hmm. break in Orlando with the U.S. <laughs> national team. He hasn't declared yet, oh, okay. but if, I mean, the U.S. team needs a striker. He's a good one. So that could be a good get for yeah. the U.S. and another American at Arsenal. And who who wouldn't like that? Now, so he's an Arsenal player who's on loan to a French team, you're saying? Yes. Um, okay. Rems, I believe. Hold on, let me. So the the thinking is, well, he's doing really well now. We don't keep him loaned out for next season and let him come back and play for us again. Is that? Yeah. So he's he's a young player. Yeah, he's a young player. Um, he is he's at Rem, which I believe is how you pronounce it. R E I M. Uh, he is twenty one. He's born in Brooklyn, actually, but raised in in the in England in London. Um. So he's a young player, and, and with a player like that, he's at that age where he's clearly being talent, talented. He really needs playing time, and he's not going to get that with Arsenal. Um, he played mm-hmm. a little bit with Arsenal with Arsenal youth teams, but he's he's too good for that. He, he is too good to play for their youth teams. He needs real competition, and he just he played a couple games with Arsenal um, at the beginning of last season, or at least he started the uh, the Brentford game that they lost on opening day. I mean, he, you know, he was a, he's a 20 year old kid. He's, he's too small, too weak playing against, you know, grown men. So to go to France, uh, to, so he's able to play regularly there, uh, you know, there's a the, the chance to live abroad and learn a different language and, and develop in a different culture is also a, a good maturation experience as well. Um, but he's, he's been excellent, uh, with Rem. So I, I think the idea is as our roster will need to be deeper next year with the Champions League, you know, having him around. You're seeing a little bit with Kieran Tierney, right? Uh, he's not playing a lot. He's he's feeling a little unsettled, unhappy at Arsenal. We're, we're going to be playing a lot bigger, a lot more big games next year. We're going to need depth mm-hmm. in the squad. And you saw in the Europa League, we, we rotated in some of the second choice players. They just didn't have it. And some of that's their youth and they're growing <laughs> right. into it. And some of it's just you, you play them and you realize they're not quite the right pieces. And that's just part of the constant churn of any roster. So, you know, I th- I suspect Balogun will be back with us next year. I look forward to him uh, being a key part to a team that hopes to challenge for all four trophies. Yeah. So last thing to confirm is so Bamford's face and name sounded familiar. He played for England in the World Cup, right? Um, he, no, he played in qualifiers. No. Um, oh. for the for that for so the World I, Cup, I'm interesting. Bamford. Maybe I'm yeah, just remembering him, him from the last time we played Leeds. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I mean he. Uh, I I want to say he was hurt last time we played Leeds, and so he might not have played, or maybe he did play. I don't remember. Um, but yes, he is. He, he's as far as I can tell. I mean, granted, this is his Wikipedia page, so make it that what you will. Um. Right. He is, uh, he played, he was called up in August 21 for England's World Cup qualifiers, uh, played 62 minutes in a win against Andorra, and that has been it. So he has not been called up since. I mean, England has, you know, better attacking options, basically. He's a nice, Bamford's a nice player, but, you know, a country like England has a lot of really good players. So, um, particularly Harry Kane, uh, their captain, a Spurs player, though he is, uh, will, you know, he's going to start in the middle. And they have, you know, Bukayo Saka plays forward, although on the wing, they have players like Marcus Rashford. So they've got a lot of attack, young attacking talent. 
Uh, it, it would be very difficult for a guy like, for a player like Bamford, nice as he is, to break into yeah. the to England. All right, well, two out of three, uh, not, not too bad a record for recognizing some of these players. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll I, realize I, that you'll start to pick fun. it up a little it's, more. Yeah, exactly. No, that that is fun. Like, you know, I, I'm at the point now where I clearly recognize, you know, all the Arsenal players very well, usually by name, often by number. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting there with, with the Arsenal roster. And yeah, the other teams are starting to come in a little bit. And it helps with some of these players who I saw in more matches because of international play with the World Cup. So, yeah. So uh, any any closing thoughts on the Leeds match? Um. There is, uh, well, we said we had 10 cup finals. Now we have nine cup finals left. And, uh, you know, City opened the day beating (laughs) Liverpool 4-1. And so for us to respond with a 4-1 win is, uh, it's very nice. Very nice. Yeah, now they still have a game in hand on us, right? Yes, but they also were playing in, still in the Champions League and still in the FA Cup. So they have a lot more games to play. Um, Right. So and and we are and even if they seen... even if they win the game in hand, they're still they would still be uh, five points behind us. Right. I'm just double checking it now. Yeah. So how is it Newcastle? I'd seen when when this game was going on that Newcastle has they're behind by two matches, and Manchester United also looks like they've only played 27 games while we've played 29. And yeah, Brighton. Yeah, Brighton's only played 26. How does that happen? How have they? played three fewer matches than us. It doesn't seem like that should be in the schedule like that. Uh, so some, so it's not originally scheduled that way, but a lot of that stems from teams going deep in other competitions. So City, United, and Brighton are all in the semifinals of the FA Cup. So those games have been on the weekend. So uh, the, last, the last round in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, we were out, so it didn't matter. But they were supposed to play Premier League games, and those will have to be rescheduled for later. So they lose a game yeah. there. You might have a, ga- a few games left over from earlier in the season. I mean, Newcastle and United both went to the final of the Carabao Cup. So those are potentially Premier League mm-hmm. games that they lost. Um, I-, I don't think there are any leftover games from all the cancellations surrounding uh, the Queen's uh, death and funeral, but it's possible there might be one or two lurking out there that I don't know about. I think they made them all up at this point. So you're going to see that late in the yeah. season. Um, but, you know, in the in the case of, United and City and, and Brighton and all and all of them, yes, they have more games to play, but we already have the points. And the reason they have more games to play is that they have all their additional games to play. City still has to play two games against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. And I hope mm-hmm. they keep winning. I hope they beat Bayern. Yep. I hope they have more games to the schedule. Make them play two, maybe three games a week for the rest of the season. You know, Good luck to them in, in the Champions League. That's all I have to say. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope they win the semifinal and go to the FA Cup final. I hope they keep they keep getting games added to their schedule. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that sentiment. So, uh, so uh, what's going on for next week? So next week again, just the one game. Uh, it is a big one. However, we have a, the uh, Arsenal goes to Anfield Easter Sunday at Liverpool. Hmm. Um, Liverpool is down this year from their past, but Anfield is always a difficult place to play, and Liverpool uh, certainly knows how to get up for a big match. So this is a game where we're going to need to be. Well, we can't we can't fall asleep on the opening kickoff on this one. We have to be up and ready right. for them, and they're they're coming <laughs> off getting getting. 
uh, beaten four one by City, uh, they're going to want they're going to want to bounce back. So this is this is not going to be an easy game. All right. Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you want to listen the night we record, you can become a Gooner U superfan to download a raw, unedited recording right away. There's a link in the show notes if you want to join. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Go you Gunners!